G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Sporting Goss with Tim Gossage. Chris Clafunas is here and he's not well. He's all masked up. He hasn't got COVID, but he's got a cold. And he's been told to stay masked up, stay in isolation, because if we all get sick, station goes off air, we all lose our jobs. Maybe much pressure on him, but anyway, we'll be right. Hey, big show coming up. Peter Hawley's going to join us. Uh, they, Melbourne United, are through. Of course, NBL commentator with SEN and, of course, the NBL coverage as well. Aaron Zalewski, Kookaburras, he's off to the Olympics. He's a West Aussie. He's going to the games. He's actually heading to Darwin this morning. We'll be chatting with him as well. Also, Hamish Brayshaw drops by after 11 o'clock, chatting all things Waffle Eagles and Waffle. Talks about Luke Shuey's return to Waffle Football. Greg Clark will join us from Subiaco. We interviewed Greg yesterday, but I had to hold it over due to our time constraints. Brad Parnham, get your pen and paper ready. He's got four good rides at Belmont today, just across the way here from SEN. And Scott Machado. That's right. Scott Machado, one of the best in the business for the Cairns Taipans. He will be joining us because he is living in Mandura, as he says, Mandura, uh, down there, uh, playing for the Mandura Magic in the NBL One West competition as well. Always welcome to get in touch. And today I'm calling on you to help us out. 13 12 55 or 0487 736 736. I've assembled my... Top 10 combined Eagles and Dockers up until this week's bye. Of course, they don't play this weekend. So we've put it together, and I've put it together with a little bit of help from nobody, just myself. And I'm the king. Yeah, because that's right. I'm the king. Uh, And I will say that uh, it hasn't been easy, and it will be shot down in flames. And it's pretty obvious who will be shooting who. <laughs> but let's just say you try it and you let us know. Top 10, 0487 736 736 is the number, or 131255. My top 10 coming up very, 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 very shortly. Trent Sainsbury, West Australian young soccer player, of course, uh, from uh, the eastern suburbs has reached 50 Socceroos caps. The Socceroos defeated Jordan 1-0 to achieve their eighth straight victory to complete the second stage of World Cup qualifying 2022. It's the first time the Socceroos have an undefeated phase of a World Cup qualifying campaign of this magnitude, of course. That's right, eight straight victories. They beat Jordan 1-0. And Trent Sainsbury spoke about the emotion of playing 50 games for his country have a listen to this. If this is not raw emotion and what it means to play for your country, nothing is. You know, to get 50, you know, like you said, it's a, it's a pretty big thing. But at the same time, I just love being a part of this team, you know, this family, uh, with the boys. Um, <laughs> Sorry, mate. You're on, mate. You know, just when uh, I think I was a good shout to go to the, I think it was the 2014 World Cup. Uh, busted. <coughs> busted my knee open. I broke my kneecap. And uh, I thought my career was finished. To get to 50, you know, it means a lot. 
There's high emotion there. Fantastic stuff. And isn't it beautiful to see what it means to the young West Australian Trent Sainsbury, a part of the Socceroos, 50 Socceroos caps. Well done, young man. Been a lot to uh, a lot of players too in regards to uh, making the NBL finals. And must admit, Melbourne Magic, uh, the Melbourne United, should I say, have done it uh, in a magical way. They've had to do it against the odds. They've been on the road, I reckon, three and a half weeks now because of COVID. They haven't been able to play at home. And last night, they clawed their way from 17 points down to beat arch rivals South East Melbourne Phoenix. And this is how they did it. To make the grand final, starting Friday, here in Perth. Melbourne United booked their ticket to Perth to take on the Wildcats in the grand final NBL series for 2021. Nobody's been better in the regular season. And now we find out if they can beat the very best to claim the ultimate title. The Perth Wildcats await. But this is a big time win from Melbourne United against the gallant South East Melbourne Phoenix. Uh, it was a great win by Melbourne United, and they do come to Perth. They're actually in transit as we speak. In a moment, we'll be chatting with Pete Hawley, part of that NBL commentary team on SEN and, of course, on the NBL commentary you see on the telly. Pete was a former United player. We'll be chatting with him about who he thinks. And a little later in the show, Scott Machado, Ken's Taipans, who's now living in Perth, or in fact, staying in Mandra as part of the NBL One West competition. He's joined the Mandra Magic uh, I will say that we've had to come up with our top 10. Thank you to Alan, who's come up with Oscar Allen. I don't know which Ryan he's talking about, but I'm assuming it's Liam Ryan. He's got Shuey, Darcy, uh, Mundy, Kennedy, Gaff, Chera, Fife, Sheed. Um, uh, not sure whether Alan's quite got the grasp of what we're talking about. Uh, we are talking about the current form of the players, the current form of the players. Um, not reputation, nothing more than that. Um, no spot there for Brayshaw, which I find a bit surprising as well. But anyway, each to their own. If you do have your top 10 Eagles and Dockers coming up to the bye weekend, let us know. But to thank you, Elk, for getting in touch with us. Um, just got a Oscar Allen, Ryan, Shuey, Darcy, Mundy, Kennedy, Gaff, Cherup, Fife and Sheed. Um, yeah, each to their own there. Alrighty, I'm going to give you mine and then we're going to hear from Pete Hawley, who's going to join us very, very shortly. At number 10, I've got Josh Rotham. Played all 13 games. I think he's the most versatile player in the current two teams. He can play back, slight high mid if needed. Taking the most marks for the Eagles. A lot of that's uncontested, but he's the link player for the team. And this is a young man who in the game's time would have played more games in one year than he's played in his previous few years with the West Coast Eagles. He has been, in particular in the last month, been the springboard out of uh, defensive 50 for West Coast. He very rarely gets beaten. Josh Rotham I've got at number 10. And an honourable mention, because it was, was a toss of the coin, with Brennan Cox, who is the 1% king for Fremantle. And they're going to miss him big time. But I think he's had a very good start to the year. But Rotham at 10. I've actually got Nat Fife at nine. Second in clearances. Number one in contested possessions at Frio. Third in tackles. I get all that. He's in the top five contested marks. He's a brute. He's the he's the captain. But he does lose a fair bit of ground due to his goal kicking at 5.18. And he is minus 13 in free kick deferential. He's received 12 and given away 25 free kicks, which is alarming numbers in regards to the rest of his team. 
but he is a bona fide star, and I think that in a month's time he could certainly find his way back into the top three. But he's a, he's a brute, and he does all the hard things. But I'm just not sure it's been the standout season that uh, we expected from Nat Fife. I've got Oscar Allen at number eight, versatile. He leads the Eagles in contested marks. He does the hitouts. He's third in goals and only just behind Kennedy and Darling. More than half his possessions are contested. And then once again, he has that versatility of playing ruck, back and forward. And um, I think he is in the top eight. I've got James Aish. I think he's one of the unsung heroes. I thought he was outstanding on the weekend against the Gold Coast. He barely put a foot wrong. I reckon he was playing for his life at the start of this year. Um, gets a lot of the ball. I think his use of the ball is getting better each and every week. He's one of five Frio players to have played all 13 games. I reckon he's had a, a breakout season. I've got James Aish certainly in my top 10. He's at number seven. At number six, I've got Jack Redden. He leads the Eagles tackle count. He's uh, in the top four in uh, disposals, 26. He doesn't hit the scoreboard anywhere near enough, but his work rate, easing in losing teams, is, uh, t- to be honest, outstanding. And I think his work rate... Uh, he's had to cover for the loss of a lot of players. No Shuey, for the best part, no Yo. Tim Kelly, um, Gaff playing a bit more outside. For me, I think Jack Redden rightfully sits at number six. We've got Andrew Brayshaw at five. Most disposals for Frio, averaging 28 uh, a week. Um, he's a brute. He's often tagged for various stages this year. He's had to deal with that. Didn't deal with it great, but I reckon once he's back in and under, he's at his best. Andrew Brayshaw, and he's second at club tackles, I think only just behind David Mundy. Certainly in my top five. At number four, I've got Sean Darcy. Eight goals, massive amount of hitouts, third behind Mark Fife and Mundy in contested possessions, and he'd have to be one of the most improved players in the competition. I doubted him, and I think even the Frio faithful doubted him. Still needs to probably change his body shape. I think that'll come with more football. He's pushing through injuries a lot more than he's done, and I think he's warranted being in the top four as it stands right now. At number three, I've got Tom Barris. He doesn't get beat. He very rarely gets beat. He's third in the Eagles' contested marks, and that's for a key defender. That doesn't happen much. If he can't punch it, he marks it. Very, very rarely beaten in one-on-one contests with Brutes. He leads the one percenters. He gets up the ground. His ball use is a lot better, even though he's got an awkward kicking style. I think you might find Tom Barris would be very much in front or near to the uh, leading the Eagles club fairest and best. But I reckon he's just off the pace behind Nick Natanui. You can say whatever you like, but he is a game changer. He's top five in clearances in the competition. That's right. Top five in clearances in the competition for a ruckman, and he's a ruckman. Forget about his agility, his chase-down tackling, uh, his push-forward ability. He doesn't hit the scoreboard anywhere near enough. We know that. I kicked a goal uh, in the, on, from the weekend, a freakish goal. He's fierce in his tackling, and he's ahead of the clearances in the comp, ahead of players like Petraka, who we know are bona fide superstars. Uh, he changes the game with his ruck work. He does very rarely get beaten. Nick Natanui stands at number two. My number one player up to now, going into the break, is David Mundy. All 13 games, 11 goals, 26 disposals, leading in tackles, leading in clearances, great leadership um, in the absence of other leaders around the group. And for me, David Mundy is a game changer. And I thought he made a very bad game look a lot better with his work in the middle of the ground with Sean Darcy on the weekend. So I have 10 Rotham, 9 five. Eight Oscar Allen, seven H, six Redden, five Brayshaw, four Darcy, three Barris, two Nat Nui, 
My number one is David Mundy. Do you agree? If you do or disagree, let us know where we went wrong. 0487 736 736. Text us through or give us a call 13 12 55. It's time to talk basketball. Let's go back. Last night, it was the Melbourne United who are on a plane coming across to take on the Wildcats Friday night at RAC Arena. Game one in the grand final series. And the man who was courtside last night for SEN was former United player in Pete Hooley. Well, the grand final teams are ready to go. Friday night at RAC Arena and then backing up game two at RAC Arena. And then, all things being equal, going back to Melbourne for the last three games. The man who knows the league better than most is Pete Hooley from the NBL commentary team and, of course, a former United player. Pete, uh, the best teams have made the grand final. Yeah, they have. And that's what we all wanted, I think, in the end. And the one sad part, if you're a basketball fan, is that there's going to be no Bryce Cotton. I think everybody... Really wanted to see both these teams at full strength going going at it in the finals because everyone knows that Perth just go to another level in the finals. Uh, but no Bryce Conn, that's going to make things a little bit tougher. No doubt. Does it even things out considering what Melbourne United have had to do being one on the road, two conceding they can't have uh, their first game at home because of COVID? It's all pretty self-explanatory, but no Bryce Cotton on one side of the fence and the other side probably not a level playing field because of what Melbourne United have had to do in the lead-up and also what they'll have to do during the finals. Yeah, I guess so. But uh, it's just Bryce's greatness. We just can't ever go past of what he's done this year is somehow he's been better than he's been since he's entered the <laughs> league, which is just crazy to even say. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a tough little stretch for Melbourne United and uh, every time they've, they've been talking to the media and stuff, they said that everyone else has had their turn dealing with COVID person throughout the year. Mm. It's just their turn to deal with it now, which is unfortunate because they're entering the grand final series. But yeah, as you said, all going well. I think Jock Landale said in the press conference last night that uh, even if they do go 0-2, they get three games to try and claim it on the home floor in front of their fans, which is something that probably two weeks ago, I don't think anybody in Melbourne thought was possible. Yeah, I think a lot of people didn't think it was possible at one stage last night. They were down by 17 points. They were asleep at the oh. wheel. They were asleep at the wheel, but then Landau did step up and they got great service out of the the, the normal players as well, in, in particular Chris Golding. Yeah, they did. And look, I, I was calling that game on SEN and I was I was thought the same. I was like, here, Phoenix will come out hot. Melbourne United are asleep. And that's the little trap that I think Melbourne United can fall in. And especially knowing how talented and how deep they are. And they've been playing some really good basketball in the last couple months leading into the finals whereas the Phoenix who had been stumbling and been inconsistent mm. I think they were in the back of their head thinking well our talent alone we're going to get this job done and Mitch Creek Keith Sykes came out and said well you got to beat us first we're not going to step aside uh, and it was interesting that 17 point timeout when they were down Dean Vickerman he was pretty late to go over to the timeout and Chris Golding was talking but Dave Anderson was the one who was having a few words to say and that's that veteran leadership of winning experience to have. He's, he's not going to play too many minutes, but he's going to be there to tell everybody exactly what they need to hear. Mooney versus Landau. Oh, that's going to be a big one, isn't it? I mean, Perth need John Mooney to have a massive, massive series. And that last game they played at RSC Arena in the regular season, they left him go one-on-one. And Chuck Landau had a bit of a bit of a field day, which uh, we hadn't often seen so far this season. I'm a big fan of John Mooney, but I think Trev's going to have a few aces up his sleeve, as he always does. And Throw a couple random uh, traps at him. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if you see Tom Jervis come out there. He's got five fouls to use. Try and <laughs> get, get Jock Landale in a bit of uh, frustration, which we saw in game two when he got frustrated. He got fouled off. They changed the game. Uh, 
Um, so I think Jock Landau is the key. So Chad's going to have a few aces up his sleeve to throw at him. Pete Hooley, our guest uh, from the SEN commentary team. Of course, the NBL Grand Final is down to two. Our Perth Wildcats against Melbourne United, who, as we speak, are on a plane coming over for to Perth to uh, to settle in, get some uh, some uh, fresh legs, of course, have a shoot around tomorrow, and then prepare for the Grand Final game one. Uh, Luke Travers is a player that has not probably been seen. Well, he's been seen a lot, but probably not against United in in this series against the Hawks. He was outstanding. Didn't have a great game uh, three the other night. He did some special things late, but he was certainly off, uh, wasn't up to the standard of the first two games of the series. But he's only 19, so there are excuses. But he's a, he's a player that might be that X factor for Perth that maybe United haven't seen enough of. Yeah, for sure. I'm a massive Luke Travis fan. I've been caught up in that hype for the last couple of months now. And uh, as you said, he did, didn't do a lot in game three. And then he had a couple of big like errors, turnovers, missed mm. shots in the third quarter. And you've got to give credit to Trev then because in the start of the season when he was starting in the power forward, he made one mistake. Trev would sit him for the whole game. Yep. Now he's got to the point where he can play through those mistakes and make massive plays, which he did at the end. We would never have seen that in game one. And he's doing it in game three of a semi-final series. The way that Trev has coached him and he has grown over this year has been outstanding. Uh, he's got NBA-level talent, I think, and he's just going to continue to get better. He's still a development player. So he, his ceiling is incredible, and I think he will be an X-factor in the series. And the next contract's going to be big. <laughs> oh, big time. Big time. De- development, mon- development, money, development money to a starting five player with a grand final franchise and the most successful franchise in the NBL. You can all of a sudden uh, command a few extra dollars. Absolutely. I'll be doing that every time he steps out on the floor. He's done it. Get an extra zero on that. A short, uh, short and sharp on the Phoenix. They walk away with the season. Uh, forget about the fact they got 17 up. I mean, they probably haven't forgotten about it. They're probably still filthy. But where do, where do you mark their season? Look, I think it was I think it was successful. I mean, second year in the league, uh, mm. where they got to was incredible. They just had so many injuries, so many interruptions that they had to try and navigate through. And the problem was the roles changed for everyone. Nearly every second week, someone else had to do a different role. There was injuries they had to deal with. That Kiefer Sykes, who was their main guy, was out for a long time, but he had to find his feet. Kyle Adnan went from starting to barely playing now in the semi-final series. We after showed that he deserved minutes, so they just had to deal with all that. And ultimately, you came up against a team that had everything figured out and was going to have to play your perfect basketball forty minutes, and just didn't happen in the end. So I think it'll be a big positive for what they could do and what they have done in this year, and they can definitely build on that. But we even saw it, Cam Glidden had to go home for the birth of his second child. And now he comes in, doesn't score in a game three because his role changed in a matter of two weeks. So uh, they had to deal with a lot of things that were out of their control, which was tough, but I think they did a great job this year. Don't know the contract situation. Uh, Pete Hooley, our guest uh, from SEN Basketball and NBL commentary as well, and former United player. Pete, don't know his contract situation, but for something like that with Kyle Adnam, who I thought was a significant player for the Phoenix in stages through the year. I know he's a bit of a hot and cold, but he's a young, talented, gifted player. And he has been you know, around the league. He has been from team to team uh, in recent times. But uh, I, I think uh, he's, a, he's a key component in any team that he goes to. Um, would, would that lack of use in last night's Game 3, where he barely got on the court, would that hurt him to the point where he'd be looking elsewhere? It would definitely hurt him. I'm not sure about looking elsewhere. That's that's where he's from. So I think he's very comfortable there. But it's also, that would be a conversation that you'd be having uh, when it comes to the exit, exit meetings of, 
I showed everything I could do, and then when it comes to the crunch time and other guys are playing over me, like, what's the deal here? If the rosters are similar next year, how does that impact me? So, yeah. in the end, when it comes to any professional athlete, you've got to do what's best for you and your family, and uh, I think there'll be some other movement around on the Phoenix, which means that he'll probably be okay to be able to stay there, and he deserves a pay rise anyway. We showed he stepped into a starting role and dominated for a good two months there with Keeper Sykes out. Mm. Uh, it'll just be interesting to see how those conversations go. All righty. Who wins the grand final series? Starts Friday, second game Sunday, possibly back Melbourne, fingers crossed, Wednesday, and then basically uh, anchored there if required, game four and five. Who wins and why? Uh, I'm going to have to say Melbourne just because no Bryce Cotton, their depth is incredible. Scotty Hobson, the way he's playing right now off the bench is, uh, I mean, he's an MVP caliber player on his best night. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if this series, if it does come back to Melbourne after this weekend, that it's split 1-1. I think Perth, Red Army will be going crazy. As you said, they got the X-Factors. Todd Blanche was playing well right now. Uh, I think over a five-day series with without the best player in the league, it's going to be tough to see Perth get it. Look forward to the commentary. Thanks for joining us on Sporting Goss today. It's going to be a beauty. Thanks, mate. Good on you. There's Peter Hawley. He's a wonderful, knowledgeable man and former just out of the competition, of course, and part of the SEN commentary team and NBL on the telly as well. This is Sporting Goss. Go the Wildcats. Thanks for your company. This is Sporting Goss on this Wednesday. Don't know if you've saw the vision. It's uh, you need to see the vision more than hear it. But we're going to play you a very small snapshot of Cristiano Ronaldo doing a press conference for Portugal. The Portuguese captain, of course, thirty-six-year-old. Uh, we know he's one of the greatest of all time. He sat down to do a press conference, and he did this. Cola, Coca-Cola. He sat down and uh, basically picked up two bottles of display product, so product placement by Coca-Cola, and moved them and basically inferred the kids should be drinking agua, water. Well, it is in a matter of seconds, and this has been reported online, Ronaldo wiped off more than $5 billion of the the Australian dollars, $5 billion Australian dollars, off the market value of Coca-Cola in Europe by moving those bottles. The incident happened when Ronaldo, as we know, is a strict diet and anti-sugar, was before his team played against Hungary in in the Euros. The Athletic has reported the start of the press conference, Coca-Cola shares were $73.02. And by the end of that press conference, they were $71.85. And that represents a $5.2 billion hit. Now, the value has since bounced back, but the incident, sharp reminder about the power of influencers and Ronaldo is their king. Now, it might have just been timing, but people have put two and two together and come up with that, a $5.2 billion hit from the start to the end of the press conference of Ronaldo when moving the two bottles of Coca-Cola. He did go on to score a couple of games, uh, twice in the game against Portugal, and they beat Hungary 3-0. Our focus is now on Tokyo. Yesterday we spoke to Rachel Lynch in regards to getting through. Uh, Let's have a listen to Rachel Lynch. This is what she had to say uh, in regards to her battles to get back into the system of the hockey ruse and then get chosen for the Tokyo Olympics. And straight after that, we'll be joined by Aaron Zalewski, co-captain of the Kookaburras, who is also heading 
to Tokyo. Rachel Lynch. She's back in the Australian Hockey Roos setup. I'm looking at a photo as we speak now of you holding up an oversized boarding pass. You look so proud, but I imagine there were some very dark times. <laughs> yeah, there, were, there really was. And I've, I've never been through anything like that before. You know, as an athlete, you, you have your, your form and your ability questioned along the way, and we're used to receiving critical feedback. But this time it was a little bit more personal and about my character, and, and that really hurt me. Um, but it also fueled me to make sure I really stuck to my guns and, and sort of it just made me so much more determined to use it as a weapon. You know, try and stop me now. I guess that was kind of my attitude. And now that I'm here, I, I am. I'm really proud of myself. Welcome back to Sporting Goss on this Wednesday. Yesterday, we spoke to Rachel Lynch after her uh, emotional selection in the Hockey Roos. Uh, let's turn our attention to the Kookaburras, and there's, of course, always high emotion when it comes to uh, Olympic selection. And one man I'm sure is on cloud nine is Aaron Zaluski, a West Australian who is going across to the Olympics, of course. Congratulations, mate. You must be on cloud nine. Yeah, thanks, Tim. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a very exciting experience to be named in an Olympic team. Um, I'm just, yeah, very thankful and um, showing some gratitude to all the people and the you know, that helped me get to where I am. Not easy to get in. The squad narrowed down from 27 to 16 and fair to say there's some high talent gets left on the cutting room floor. Oh, yeah. The strength of our team is really not in the 16 that you see, but our whole squad of 27 players and we've all, always tried to um, have a really have really good depth in our squad. Um, unfortunately, uh, you really feel for your mates. My heart bleeds for some of the guys that get left out because you do spend a large portion of time, energy in your life trying to achieve um, a dream of going to the Olympics. And unfortunately for a few guys, um, that's not the case. But equally, I'm, I'm pleased for everyone that was selected. We've got nine guys making their Olympic debut mm. in Tokyo, which is an amazing achievement for them. And, and we're all very excited to head over there. It's a very different build-up, isn't it? Uh, the fact is that it's, you know we're in this COVID world and I, I don't envy the the selectors and, and Colin Batch and trying to come up with a team. Very hard to see exposed form against international competition, but you can only do what you can only do. And obviously, I guess training form and intra-club team practice uh, was a lot to do with the, the final 16. Yeah, I mean, basically we've been bunked down in Perth for the last 12, 14 months training and that's really a lot of the form that we've had to go on. Um, we did have some games against New Zealand uh, last week. They were really good um, international exposure for us and um, a, a really good tool for the coaches and the selectors to try and pick the team. So, um, yeah, like you said, it, it's tough going for trying to pick 16 out of 27 really good hockey players. Now, you're a co-captain. You share the captaincy, of course. Uh, we're chatting with Aaron Zalewski from the uh, Kookaburras. And you're going to the games and the old man, and I'm sure he gets a... Um, he gets a cheaper seat on planes. He probably gets a, a seat up the front in other sporting venues. He's probably gets uh, the pensioner card uh, discount at the Olympic Village, and that's Eddie Ockenden. <laughs> yeah, Eddie, what an amazing achievement going to his fourth games. Um, he's someone that is invaluable a group uh, with probably not as much Olympic experience as some other um, teams, Kookaburra teams of the past. So having him around is great. Um, you know, he's also... He's a really good leader. Um, it's great to co-captain with Ed. We're probably a little bit different in the way we go about things. And I think that's um, why we've been able to complement each other uh, really well and been able to maintain that co-captaincy that we've seen for um, the last, 
yeah, two, two and a half years. Yeah, there's some people tugging on my coat saying, I'm sure Eddie Ockenden played with Rick Charlesworth. He's been around for ages. <laughs> we were around when Rick was um, coaching us, but I don't think he's been around so long that he could have played with, played with Rick. Uh, fourth Olympic Games for him alongside the Rochelle Hawks, Jamie Dwyer, Mark Knowles making his fourth Olympics. One young man who's absolutely come from nowhere, and that's Dylan Martin. A bolter from Wagga, of course, and I know he's been in the system, but I think he only made his international debut on the 27th of May against, as you mentioned, the Kiwis. That is a remarkable rise. Yeah, what a great opportunity for Dylan. Um, you know, having the Olympics delayed by a year probably helped him out massively. He just came into the squad and he's been a real bolter this year, played really well, um, taken all the opportunities that's given to him. Uh, probably a spot opened up with one of our senior players, Matt Swan, um, retiring mm. due to the birth of his baby during the Olympics. So there was certainly an opportunity there. And, and he seemed to just, um, you know, really lap that up. And you, you often see guys come in and, and play really well and, and they're just loving the environment from the get-go. Um, and he's one of the guys that just, you know, stepped in and, and was at ease really um, right from the start. Now, you you know, you've been around and you've played with the, the, the Kookaburras for a long time and you've played at all the major ones. We know, you know, Champions Trophy, Olympic Games, Commonwealth Games, they all they all fit in there. Would this be the great achievement? Would this be the greatest achievement? And I know you can't compare eras, you can't compare tournaments, but the fact is of the world that we're living in right now and if Australia was to go over there to Tokyo and and win gold and you don't go there for any other reason but to win gold, if you were to come home with a gold medal, where would this sit in the Aaron Zalewski um, pecking order of achievements? Uh, well, it's hard to talk about how achievements sit until you've actually gone and done it. But for us, um, the Olympics certainly sits a little bit above all other tournaments. Um, it's the ultimate event for us. It's the only only thing we get to do every four years. Um, but not only that, the Kookaburras have only won one Olympic Games gold medal. So it's mm. certainly rare air for, for our group that's had a lot of success um, in a lot of different tournaments. So... Certainly, we'll be going over there, um, you know, with with relatively high expectations. Although, I mean, we've really been living in a in a world and training in a world that we haven't been able to play any games. And there's European guys playing games. Um, you know, they just had a European tournament. So, for us, we're going in a little bit um, unknown, but we're going to try and use that as our strength more than our weakness. Is that easier than, I know this sounds, you'd rather go up against them, I get that, but would that also make it easier that you could probably scout their performances and their styles more than they could scout yours leading into Tokyo? Yeah, for, for sure. We've got to go in with the mindset that your strength is your weakness. So we've been able to see them play, how they're setting up, their structures, who's in form, who's not in form. And for us, we're going to, they haven't seen us play for 14 months. So we're hoping to, um, you know, surprise them, so to speak. So, for what it's worth, who's the teams? Who are the teams to beat, and what you can see on exposed form on those internationals that uh, they've been playing at the moment? Who's the team to beat? Yeah, well, it's really important for us to get out of our pool first. Um, we've got India, Argentina, and Spain, who are all really good. Um, and I guess the the key games for us will be the quarterfinals. So, getting out of our pool games in form, and then we want to play um, Belgium, Holland. And Germany are all in good form at the moment. They just played in the final at the Euros. So um, there's you know, a handful of teams that really are going to be tough competition in Tokyo. Where are you? Uh, I spoke to Rachel Lynch, as I mentioned at the start. I spoke to Rachel Lynch and 
she, uh, when she got selected, different circumstances. We know what she's been through. It was a very emotional chat I had with her yesterday. But she knew the selection was coming. She was preparing not to be selected. She went away for a couple of hours north and just sat there and checked her emails and it came through that she'd been selected and then she just sort of cried for an hour. Um, you Were you expecting to be picked, Moose? Were you genuinely thinking, well, only an injury or really horrible training form would cost you a spot? Or does it still get that exciting when the official word comes through? And where were you when that all happened for you? Uh, yeah, you really want to control your environment when there's something going on like that. Um, I was just at home with my wife. We um, just opened the email together and mm-hmm. uh, just a lot of joy um, when that email came through straight down to the bottom and made sure I was on the on the list <laughs> at the bottom of the alphabetical order. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, just a really enjoyable moment. Yeah. And, and it's one of those things you kind of want to, you know, it's coming up. Um, we got told, you know, 10 o'clock, the email's coming out. You just want to get that over and done with, mm-hmm. so to speak, and, and then move on to the next part of the journey. Yeah, I can't imagine what it's like. And uh, I don't think it gets, uh, I think, it's, well, you know, it's it's just, a, it doesn't matter if you've been there once, twice, or in Andy Ockenden's case, four times. I th- still think it's a remarkable <laughs> achievement to get there. So the process now, um, all together, preparing. When do you up stumps and go? What is the process through COVID for, for, for the hockey team and the rest of the Olympic team? What do you have to go through to get there? And, and we know what you have to do when you're there. You can't smile. You can't clap. You can't talk. You can't do anything. <laughs> uh, what, what about the yeah, build up okay. to it for you, Moose? What, what's the build up like? Yeah. Yeah. We've been, pretty much been in Perth and we haven't traveled at all for the last year. And actually our last kind of six weeks is really busy. We've just been to New Zealand off to Darwin today for a pre-acclimatisation camp. Mm-hmm. Then we come back, we've got two games against New Zealand, which will serve as great prep. Um, we're only in Perth for about you know 10 days when we get back from Darwin, and we head back up to Darwin for a, a second pre-acclimatisation camp before we head to Cairns and get on the charter flight with, and I think, the swimmers, the rowers and the water polo players, and we head to Tokyo and... Um, yeah, who knows what that experience will hold for us trying to get into the village. It's supposed to be pretty laborious and, and might be pretty time-consuming trying to just get into the village mm. and then we'll be um, pretty restricted while we're there. Love it. You're well done. Congratulations to you, mate, and flying the WA flag. And Trent Mitten too got in, which is great news. I know he's been uh, surrounded by disappointment over the journey, but uh, isn't it great that he's uh, he's going to the Games? Incredible for Trent. He was the the one guy I looked and made to see if his name was on the list. He's missed um, two games, and that's heartbreaking for him. So um, to make it finally in his third to- third attempt, I think he's um, he's pretty overwhelmed, and he's going to love and really enjoy this experience um, heading to Tokyo. Congratulations. Uh, we love our hockey. Win, lose, or draw, it doesn't matter when they're playing. It is a, a wonderful team to follow. And a team that uh, is, um, well, steeped in so much history, of course, because of the base fact that, the, that they're here in WA. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a stone's throw from the Smurf turf over there uh, <laughs> near Karakata. I hear the whistles. I hear the yelling. I hear the preparation. I hear the games at night. It's a, it's a wonderful uh, sound to hear. And, uh, and it is great that, um, well, you're in the team again. And we're looking forward to it. So uh, safe build up. Enjoy Darwin. And uh, we'll see you in action in Tokyo uh, in the next month. Good on you, mate. Thanks, Tim. Great. There's Aaron Zalewski, known as Moose, from the Kookaburras. He's going to the Olympic Games, and deservedly so. He's a bona fide star of world hockey. We'll take a break. Come back. Plenty more. This is Sporting Goss. Ten to 11, up to 7,000 fans, as we heard in the news at 10.30. 7,000 fans will be allowed into Friday night's game between Geelong and the Bulldogs. At GMHBA Stadium, the Victorian government has announced this 
moments ago as part of further easing of restrictions. Members from both the cats and the dogs living in the Geelong region will be permitted access to the venue. Speaking of access, access all areas on the AFL website. Matthew Lloyd, high praise for Sean Darcy from the Dockers. Yeah, he is ranked now fourth for hitouts to advantage behind these names, Nat Nui, Grundy and Gorn. I think he's had more impact than Grundy uh, this year. So he's right up there in the top three rucks. I think that uh, he's just only going to get better. Uh, he's 23 years of age. Uh, he marks the footy really well around the ground. He's just got to kick a bit straighter. Sometimes he misses goals. Brayshaw, Sarong under his feet. They're building nicely for you. So there it is, uh, Matthew Lloyd. So uh, if you missed it this morning, we came up with uh, our top 10 here on Sporting Goss. The top 10 West Coast Eagles, Fremantle Dockers coming up to the bye. Love to get your feedback. Had plenty on socials, but uh, love to hear from you. 0487 736 736 or give us a call 13 12 55. So our top 10 for up to the bye. At number 10, Josh Rotham, which has caused a lot of consternation. But if you go back through the facts and figures and what he's done this year, I think he's deserved of his spot. I think Brennan Cox is probably the unlucky one. He is the spoiled king for Fremantle. Nine at five, uh, what he makes up for in uh, hardball gets and everything he does with toughness, he lets fly with inaccuracy and uh, an, an inordinate amount of, um, extraordinary amount of um, free kicks against. I think it's 13 4, 12 4, 25 against. Uh, Oscar Allen, and a lot of people saying that Darling should be ahead of Allen. There's not that much difference between goals kicked between those two. I think six goals might be less for Allen, and that includes time in ruck, time down back, time not playing. Um, and he's a contested mark beast, Oscar Allen. I think James Aish is very much in the Josh Rotham basket. He's a rebounding defender. He's got a bit of hardness about him at the moment, James Aish. I like him. I think Redden, uh, I know Daniel Garb, who saw my tweet, of course, a soccer aficionado, Daniel Garb, did say that... Um, he thought that Tim Kelly should have been in there ahead of Redden. Uh, I think Redden's done a lot of the heavy lifting in the absence of Yo and Shuey and now Kelly. Um, so I think Redden deserves his spot. Brayshaw at five, I don't think you can argue with that. I think Darcy, as we heard from Matthew Lloyd, has had a, a stellar breakout season. He's certainly uh, commanding plenty of attention now as one of the best big men in the game. Tom Barris, to be honest, probably could be a little bit higher than three. Don't underestimate his worth to that team. And he's contested marking. He's third at the Eagles for contested marks. And to be a key defender, if he doesn't punch it, he marks it. And he doesn't free mark it. He doesn't um, link up. He's not the free man behind the ball. He actually takes contested marks against big-name players. Nat Nui, I think he's a game-changer. I think he still is. And I don't care what anyone says about him not getting enough ball. I think he's averaging about 14 touches a game now, which is certainly up on his career average uh, this year. He doesn't kick enough goals for many. He kicked a beauty on the weekend, but doesn't kick enough. But what he makes f uh, up for is his work around the ground, and he does change the way the game is played in the middle of the ground. And I don't think you can argue that David Mundy's been the most influential player in WA at the moment. He's not in the best team, but he's a brute. He's ageing. He's still strong, good leader, kicks goals, wins hard ball, and shows everyone that he's still got time left in the game. Let us know what you think. 13 12 55 or 0487 736 736. We'll take a break. We'll come back. This is Sporting Goss. Like when you start having these discussions mm. and you start making these changes, there's degrees, right? Mm. And you creep. It's it, it, You just yes. creep yep. and then you creep a bit further and then you creep a yes. bit further and yeah. then you creep a bit further and then... Ultimately, where we will end up is a non-contact sport but completely. This, the, and that will be the end of AFL football. At the core of all of this is what? 
At the core of all this is the protection of the head. That's right. I, I understand that. So, but the but the fundamental the fundamental part of the game mm-hmm. is win the ball, okay. go for the ball. I, I, you know, you and I are in violent agreement. I, I understand that. But if what I'm saying is... It's being challenged, right? The, the fundamental premise of being able to go and get the ball is being challenged right now. Yes, that is true. And we will end up without a game. Well, it won't be anything that we recognise as AFL okay. football. Wow, that was a heavy discussion this morning. It's about the David Mackay, Mackay, should I say, the clash. And it goes to the tribunal and it will be decided by a three-member part-time panel. Coming up after the 11 o'clock news, Hamish Brayshaw talking all things Waffle. He's the captain of the West Coast Eagles Waffle Eagles, but he talks about the whole competition. Greg Clark from Subiaco will join us. Brad Parnham, get your pens ready. He's got rides at Belmont today. What's his best? Always gamble responsibly. And Scotty Machado, Cairns Taipans to the Mandra Magic. That's still to come. Hope you're having a good day. This is Sporting Goss. We're here till midday. Stay with us. Sporting Goss with Tim Gossage. Still to come on the show, we're chatting with Greg Clark from Subiaco. Been in very good form. Picked up 40-odd possessions in the Lions' last game against Perth. He's going to be a key component to take on the West Coast Eagles waffle. And one man who comes in, not just talking about the West Coast Eagles waffle, but a competition in general, is the captain of the Waffle Eagles, and that is Hamish Brayshaw. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me back, Goss. Yes. Sorry I couldn't be here last week. Yeah, what's going on, mate? Just up north. Uh, we had a little Western Desert trip up to Nalagine, so... How was that? Yeah, it was bloody good fun. Saw yeah. some real red dirt footy. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, might be running around this weekend with no shoes on. They wear boots? Uh, a handful, but more often than not, most of them wear just run around in the bare feet. Weather? Uh, it was not too warm. I mean, it was probably 16 degrees, Is that 17 all? degrees. Yeah, it was not bad. It was pretty cold, but for them, that would have felt like. Negative one. I mean, they're used to 35 and sunny. So uh, Good to have you back anyway. And back. the boys had, had the weekend off. Yep. Um, in general terms, that was probably a good thing. But you come off probably your best performance for the year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, we would have loved another week to back up what we did against Claremont. I mean, I thought we probably could have won that game. Mm. We missed a few pretty easy shots in front of goal, myself included, uh, which probably could have put us a bit in front. Um you know, but I think that effort, and we spoke. I've spoken about it on here before. Just four quarters of footy. That was the first time we've put together mm. four quarters of football, and we challenged the premiership, uh, the premiership favourites. So we were right in the game the whole way. Got to the last quarter, and everyone was out on their feet, and it was sort of a back and forth game. And I don't think anyone was going to win it or lose it in the last quarter. It was sort of just the way it was. But our effort that we put in over four quarters put us in you know, great stead against a really, really good side. Alrighty, so now you dust yourselves off and you get ready again and you come up against the best team in the comp. Yes, the best team for the last 10 years or however long they've been very good for. So we uh, we do have a challenge this week. We know what they bring. Um, Kyle Horsley, you know, with us, all he's just been telling us the contest, the contest, the contest. That's all they, that's the way they play. They're very much like Richmond. They just attack the footy, get the footy going forward and, you know, they, they're all on the same page. So, um, They've been a champion team for a long time. I think we're going to have a few good ins this week, mm. which will help us. Uh, but we know that you know Luke Shuey isn't going to win us a game of footy um, just off his own fo- uh, boots. So we've we seen need... that with Elliot Yo. He returned a couple of weeks yeah. ago, and you were playing East, East Perth. Perth. Yeah, and you yeah. know, so it, it doesn't just take one player. But we're um, we're going to have a pretty good side in this week, and I think if we can bring the energy and that sort of performance that we brought against Claremont, we'll be right in it. Okay, so it is only Wednesday, and you, you know your team hasn't been defined, and you and you don't know what the club's going to give you. But have they given you an indication of possibly some other names that might come in? 
Uh, I'm not sure. Off the top of your head, maybe? Yeah, off the top of my head. I mean, there's guys like Jared Brander, Jack Petricelli, who are sort of, um, they're coming off injuries at AFL level. I'm not sure if they're going to give them another week to get ready for the... Um... They're not down south on the wine tour with everyone no, else, are no, they? No, they're not. That was only for the boys that played on the weekend. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, mate, with guys like uh, Zach Langdon, these sort of guys, I'm not sure whether or not they'll play. Brendan mm. Archie might be back. So there, there'll, be a, there'll be a good list of boys coming back and playing, which will make us competitive. Um, but, yeah, I'm not 100% sure what the team will look like. Uh, we haven't spoken about it, but I need to speak about it. But um, Nathan Vardy getting some fair airtime um, yeah. with the big uh, the big dangle on the far wing. Yeah, an absolute screamer. He took two on the weekend. Did. The first was probably the best. I was, I think I was, on, I was on the ground for one of them. I believe it was the first one. But he just got up for a bloke so tall anyway to get on someone's head like that. I mean, he really wound the clock back. He, he did, and poor old Stephen Miller was the bloke yeah. underneath him. Well, I'm feeling too flashy. He was actually a good player, that Stephen Miller. He might be a, yeah. a player for the future. Um, Greg Clark is a player that I've got coming up. I'm chatting with him a little later. Yep. He's a young man who decided – in fact, he didn't even nominate for the yes. draft. And mm-hmm. I asked him why, and he said – I'm just not in that space right now. He said, if I keep playing well by the end of the year and someone knocks on my door, but no one spoke to him. Now, this is a former State 18s captain. I know yep. that's years ago now. But he's a big body footballer who gets a lot of the ball. He's a tackling yep. beast as well. Yep. Do you think from what you've seen that he has got the capabilities of playing at another level? No question. I mean, you look at um, John Newcomb on the weekend, mm. you know, a solid bodied from the VFL who comes in and has fought out, you know, lays the most tackles on AFL debut and, and fits right in. Um, you talk about ready-made footballers. There's no one more ready-made than Greg Clark. Mm. He's dominating Waffle. He's such a big, strong body. He's obviously put a lot of work in um, in the gym over the last couple of years. Yeah, big He's, unit. Yeah, massive. <laughs> enormous. <laughs> but, you know, I think he – I'm not sure what um, yeah. his motives were for not nominating. He just said he didn't get anyone yep. showing interest. So he thought, I'm not going to waste my time and <clears throat> put my name down yep. for whatever it was worth. You know, that's fair. Mm. Um, so, I mean, I think – the way if he continues playing the way he's playing, I'm not sure whether he'll win it, but he's playing Sandover Medal quality football. He'll mm. get to the end of the year, and if he can, you know, keep performing the way he's performing, he'll have put together a body of work that can't go unnoticed by AFL clubs. And I think the way the game's trending, it's going to look, you know, these mid sort of 23, 24 year mm. old players who are ready made and can come straight in and don't need that two years of development will be pretty sought after um, from uh, from AFL clubs. So he's also very he's a high quality young man. Like he's a good talker. He's very yeah. team focused. Yep. Um, you know he's got good mind outside of footy. There's a lot to like about him. If, if footy clubs are ticking boxes on humans at footy clubs, and that's a big yeah, part that, of it. That is something. And I mean, I guess for guys that haven't been drafted as eighteen year olds and have had what is he? He's twenty four now. Yeah. So he's had you know he's had six years of finishing finishing school. He's been through. He's done what he has. He's he's had life experience and mm. he comes in if he does get it go into a footy club he comes mm. in as a man who's you know who's experienced the world and he's a well-rounded bloke as opposed to you get some 18 year old kids who come out of school and they don't know anything but football so they thrust into this football environment and it can be you know it can take them a little bit of a time to adjust whereas I think as if you with the life experience that he's got from the blokes that do get drafted is a bit older they come in and they can sort of find their feet a little bit quicker Talking Waffle with Waffle Eagles uh, Captain Hamish Brayshaw not just about the Waffle Eagles but the competition in general um, he, he well, don't harp on, on, on Greg Clark as well but the, the fact is that he has chosen not to nominate I also think there's been a bit of a hangover for him being the state 18s captain. I think there yep. was a lot of expectation. Oh, you're the captain of your state team. Oh, you're going to be drafted. And I reckon that might have wore him down for a couple of years. Um, not that he would ever give up being captain of the state 18s by any stretch of the imagination, but it's probably taken him a while to shed that skin. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it, it, I'm not sure. I wasn't here when he was obviously state 18s captain, but I, just growing up in Victoria, I know that 
the 18s captains for the Vic Country and the Vic Metro, there is a lot of media talk mm. about them. Obviously, it comes around draft time and you think, you know, who's who. And you, the names come out in the paper and blokes do their top fandom drafts and all that sort of stuff. And and for if you're named in those things and, you know, you don't get taken, it, it, it can sort of – it's not your bill. You try your best to keep your expectations Correct. low. But if, if the name's constantly being put out there – then and you don't. It's it is a bit of a shock, and it's it does sort of take a little bit of time. And <clears throat> I mean, for a bloke that's captain, and and you get your name pushed the way he has, um, it, it can take a bit of time to recover. So I'm not sure if that had any um, bearing on the decision to yeah, not nominate. But you know, sure. it, it's definitely not something that you can get over in in a night. I look forward to seeing uh, how he goes against you. It's going to, it's going to be a ripping contest, and uh, no, people are want, looking forward if, to if it. If you can't go to the game, which is no reason why you can't, if you're an Eagles fan, you can always uh, watch the live stream of it as well. Uh, speaking of Waffle Eagles, um, you must get great uh, comfort in knowing that that reasoning of that team is to breed the next AFL yep. player, and it has done so with Luke Edwards. Hasn't it ever? Who oh who? probably played ahead of his time to yep. be selected, yep. gets picked, plays in Sydney, serviceable, yep. keeps his spot on the back of a couple of other mids not being available. And even when asked in the end of the game, Adam Simpson was shocked to know that he'd had 27 disposals and yep. 11 in the last quarter. Yep. Well, uh, we spoke about it on our podcast the other day, Coast to Coast. Uh, Oscar said that he brought up the fact that Simo doesn't often say you know, he doesn't often big up players that, you know, are undeserving. And it, it, it usually takes a best and fairest or an All-Australian, to you know, for him to acknowledge that a, a player's a good player. But when asked in the post-match press conference about Luke Edwards, he, you know, shook his head. It was genuine said, shock. He said, yeah, yeah, he's a good player. Yeah. This kid's a good player. But, I mean, you're right. He he came in his last week against Sydney. I thought he was good. I mean, yeah. for your first game to have 15 touches and adapt to the way to the contest the way he did. But he just looked like a seasoned player out there on the weekend. And, I mean, I threw the, I throw this up not willy-nilly, but he look, it was Pendlebury-like the way he mm. sort of had time. That um, The dummy that he sold to Cochin in the last quarter was – uh, it was incredible, the best of the year, I think, so far. But just as showed as a young kid that he does have class. And, I mean, he's, he comes from a, a very good family of, uh, of football. Um, he's been around football for a very long time, so he knows the ins and outs of it. But he just looked a, a class above. And for an 18-year-old kid, that's a really good sign going forward. Amongst the group, just to give us a, a, the, our listeners an indication of what sort of young man he is like. He's just a, he's a really, really, really nice and a genuine person. I mean, he's not, he's not overly flashy. He doesn't go – I think – Growing up the way he has and having Tyson obviously play 300-odd games for Adelaide, he knows how to fit in a football club. He's been around the environment mm. of a football club. So fits in well in that respect. Isn't, you know, doesn't have an ego. Doesn't, you know, show, he just goes out, goes about his business. And you watch, it's, it's the way he plays the game. He doesn't, he's not overly flashy. He's not doing anything to sort of, oh, look at me, look at me. He just goes out there, goes about his That was his very business. Tyson Edwards. 321 games. That's yep. exactly how he played the footy. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's the way he is off field. He's just a nice... Lovely, lovely guy. Happy to have a chat, but he's just a really, mm. really good fella. And that's, I think, the boys really, uh, you know, have really grown to him and are, and are happy to, that he's playing good footy. Who's in the gun at uh, at Adelaide Crows for letting him slip through the father son? Yeah, gee whiz. What about well, that? <laughs> yeah, I was saying that afterwards. I think they're gonna maybe after two games or maybe after a couple of hundred they'll regret that one. <laughs> anyway, all right. So. You can win. You can beat Sudan. You can, but you need to be at your best. Yes, we do. I mean, if we bring the contest and we bring the effort that we did uh, against Claremont, I think we'll be right in it. SEN Radio will be covering the game between Swan Districts and West. 
Perth. And, of course, Swan Districts and West Perth were currently fourth and fifth. And behind Subi and Claremont, Subi with the game in hand, there is, and Perth are also in this, there is a fudge of, of teams where third, fourth, fifth, and South Fremantle are off the boil at the moment. So this is, a, oh, hate to say it, it's a bit cliche, but it's an eight-point game for these two teams, Swans and West Perth. Yeah, it is. I mean, we, as in the position that we are in, I think, uh, just from a West Coast waffle point of view, we're going to have some numbers come back. The AFL list is starting to look healthy, and if we're to have any, you know, if we're to have any effort at the back end of the season, we need these top teams to start winning. So uh, knowing that Swan Districts are above, I'm going to tip them. <laughs> it's at, so it's I, out at Bassendine. Yeah, isn't yeah, it? yeah. So it's at Steel Blue. That's so always a hard place to is, win. It yep. is. But <clears throat> so am I hearing this? Yep. The depth of the Waffle Eagles will improve markedly in the back half of the season. Yep. That you, as captain, yep, are talking. Oh, I mean, what's the point are, of playing football if you, you're not going for? You, you know, if you're not gunning for it, we did in 2019. We had we were two and seven at one point, and we're on the bottom of the ladder. And then won, I think we won six games in a row to get to uh, to get to the point of finals. And obviously, I'm not saying we're going to get there. We haven't won a game yet, but um, our goal is to win games of football, and and we want to keep ourselves alive. So. See how we go. I'm going to raise this with Greg Clark sure. coming up, but yep. I'm going to say it with you. The last time Subiaco played the West, West Coast, Coast waffle, yep. waffle, yeah, was July 27, 2019. So two years ago, because they didn't play last year. Didn't yep. In the Eagles team, Petrie, yep. Brander, yep. Vardy, Brayshaw with 25, mm-hmm. game high, team high, O'Neill, Cole, Foley, Williams, Rotham, McInnes, Mudima, Brooksby, Archie, Allen, and then all your um, your boys, yep. the, the other boys. That oh, Nick Reed was in that too, and he was yep. a he was a top up. Yep, that was a fair side back then. It was a lot no Shuey though, no Shuey, but a lot of the guys you mentioned, like uh, Rotham, Mudima, like these guys were still you know young players. Yeah. You know, this is two years ago, so you know, you see Josh Rotham playing the way he has. He oh. hasn't hasn't missed a game this year, and he's, he's been one of our key backs. He wasn't playing like he was playing very well, but he's not. You can't expect him to have played that level, to, you know, two years ago. So we're a different side than we were back then. I've got Rotham, and this morning I opened the show with my top ten at the bye, yep. Eagles and Dockers combined. Yep. And I've got Rotham at number ten. It's probably a fair. Hasn't assessment. done much wrong, mate. No, nah, he's, he's plays def- above himself. Yep, he defends well. He can play Versatile, tall. He can play small. Correct. He's really fast. It's a lot u- of the ball. Yep, and uses it really well. He's, he's the a link. Great kick. Yep. He's the defensive rebound link. Yep. He and Hearn. Hearn mm. does it mostly from kickings. Yep. But uh, Rotham does it from field play. Yep. Yeah. Where's the uh, Where's the young fella in that? Top yeah. 10? Bit of Andy B. Uh, I've got Brace six. Six. Yeah. Yep, so right my on. top ten was this. Uh, I've got Rotham ten. Yep. Five nine. He yep. loses a couple of points for inaccuracy Fair and enough, free argue. kicks against. Yep. Uh, I've got Oscar Allen eight. Yep. Just ahead in the in the big three uh, tools at West Coast. Yeah. I've got Ace seven. He's Ace had a great been, he's year. He's been really good. I've really, really good. Liked him. I've got an idea of who I think the top three will be. Okay. I've got Brayshaw six, Redden five. Go me. Go go my top four if you can. Uh, okay. In any order. In any order. Well, I think Barras is in there. He's at number three. I think Nat Nui has to be in there. Number two. I think Dave Mundy has to be in there. Number one. And so I'm missing number four, uh, Sean Darcy. Yeah. There Good you go. job, Big There you go. You're so Mundy one, Nat Nui two, Barris three. Been enormous. Darcy four, Redden five, Brayshaw six, Ace seven, 
Alan 8, 5, 9, Rotham 10. I mean, you mix and match towards yep, the end. I mean, you, you could have had Darling Kennedy or whatever yeah, you liked, or even Tabernacle when he's at his best yep. as well. Thanks for coming in. No worries. Thanks for having me, guys. He's a good man. Oh, just before you go, Perth oh, versus yep. Sharks. Uh, I think I'm going to have to go with Perth. They're getting the band back this week. There's a few in, so uh, I'll be rolling on the Perth Demons train. 10 past three. That one at MRP, of course, the home of the West Coast Eagles and West Coast Eagles Waffle. Take a break. Come back. This is the Sporting Goss. Sporting Goss with Tim Gossage. Welcome back to Sporting Gossip. Been a busy show so far, and we continue our focus on the w- WAFL. Of course, it is a couple of teams with the bye, but not Subiaco. They've had the weekend off, and they return to take on a much improved Waffle Eagles this weekend. And one of the mainstays for Subiaco, coming off a, I'm pretty sure it'd be a career high 42 touches against Perth a couple of weeks ago, and that is Greg Clark, and he joins us on the Sporting Goss. Am I right? 42 in a league game? That must be close to the best. Yeah, that was, that was my uh, highest disposal count, yeah, which was nice. You beat Perth. It was a, a bleak old time for the Demons that night. I was actually out of function at the West Coast Eagles and people were looking out the door thinking, at what stage of the game was this? And it was the last quarter and they barely hadn't touched the scoreboard. It was a, a, an outstanding way to go into the break for Subiaco. Forget about Perth, but you must have been very pleased to go into the break with that type of performance. Yeah, we were. We'd um, we'd had a bit of a focus going into the game that up until this point in the season, we've only really had one game, which was against Claremont, where we played a full four quarters of footy. So it was good to get that against Perth and, and make sure that regardless of the score and regardless of the result at the time, we put out the full four quarters and, and didn't sort of put the foot off the gas. So that was really good from our perspective. But um, as we can sort of sympathise with Perth last year, we faced numerous injuries and I think they had about 11 of their starting 22 out. So we're under no illusion that that wasn't their strongest team. But um, yeah, regardless of that, we were happy to make sure we had the full four quarters in. Of course, there were no West Coast Eagles waffle last year. The last time you played them was in 2019. They're a very different looking team. I'm just going to rattle off a couple of names who played in the game that you played in the last time. Uh, And we go back to the game, which was on July 27, 2019. And you won the game by 68 points in their team. Petrie, Brander, Vardy, O'Neill, Cole, Foley, Williams, Rotham, Brooksby, Archie, Allen. Uh, they were they. Uh, Nick Reed, I think, played in that game as well, North Beach boy. Um, they were a very good waffle team at that stage and did a job on them. They're not the same team, but they have a guy by the name of Shuey, I'm led to believe, coming back. <laughs> He's a fair inclusion. Yeah, yeah, we've... Um... We've heard all sort of rumours this week, given that the Eagles have the buyers to who they might bring in. Um, but we're excited at the opportunity to face some big names, like you've already mentioned, Shuey, and whoever they decide to bring in, um, given that they do have the buy. So it's exciting for us. We're, we're, we're keen to challenge, we'll be challenged by as much experience, and it'll be good for us to potentially have a learning curve against a really strong AFL side that they could bring in. Um, and you, you always sort of find that when you play those AFL bodies, they are that bit stronger and that bit harder to hit. So it'll be a very good test for us if we can face a strong eagle side. Uh, can I ask you, you, I read with interest, and I don't know whether it's right or wrong, but now that we've got you on and we're talking to Greg Clark from the Subiaco Football Club, of course, a former State 18s captain, and that's sort of something you should be very proud of. Now, you haven't gone into the AFL system, and there was some talk that you didn't nominate for the mid-season draft a couple of weeks ago, or did you and withdrew? Can you clarify what that situation was? Yeah, no, I'd, I'd never actually... Um, put my name forward into the mid-season draft and, and that just came from a personal decision that I hadn't sort of 
had much interest at the time um, from any clubs specifically. And my understanding was that with a mid-season draft, there was 15, 20 picks. And if the club was probably willing to take you, they'd be discussing with you nice and early what what was going to happen. So I sort of thought not to put my name in and, and just continue on and make sure for the second half of the year, I play really good footy at Subi. And if the opportunity comes at the end of the year, I'd take it with both hands. But I can only sort of control very limited things in that process, right? And one of those is just playing as good a footy as I can and, and helping Subi get as high as we can and hopefully win another premiership. Yeah, you're playing good footy, mate. There's no doubt. You're getting plenty of it. One thing you pride yourself on, judging by, you know, when I've seen you play live and I do try and watch as many Subi games as, as possible if I'm not working, uh, calling the Waffle Eagles on their um, live stream, is your tackling, albeit you only had the three tackles against Perth that night, but they didn't have the footy that much, so it probably wasn't a part of the game that you needed. But you've had, you know, 12 against Swans. I think you had uh, 11 tackles back early in the season against East Fremantle. I mean, tackling's your thing. And and, and to, be, to be brutally honest with you, you're a fairly big fella. So, I mean, you're not like you're a sort of a, a run with, roll with, uh, tagging, annoying small, blo- small bloke that lays a lot of, sort of a groundbreaking tackles. You're a, you're a big fella. So, I mean, that's part of the game that you must be very happy with. Yeah, it's something we, we've always prided ourselves with that too, is our defensive pressure. And I've come into the system around 2014, 2015, when that was that sort of the peak messaging that we are going to be a ruthless defensive side. So mm-hmm. at 18 years old and onwards, all I've learned is to make sure I put as much defensive pressure as I can. And we do a lot of work at the club around our gym work and, and making sure we're as strong as possible to be able to lay those tackles and, and apply that defensive pressure. And given given our on sorry, given that I've been able to move on ball this year, it's been something I've had to really make sure is kept in my game that if I'm not winning the ball, I'm making sure that I'm doing whatever I can to stop my opponent doing the same. So it's something I definitely pride my game on, um, that whoever comes up against me is going to face a lot of defensive pressure and I'm sure I'm going to need to bring that this week. Certainly are. Um, are you an Eagles man? Do you barrack for the Eagles in the in the AFL? Yeah, yeah. We've I reckon there's probably about 22 members in my family and all of us barrack for, for the Eagles, so... For sure. Did you go to Did you go to the uh, Eagles Richmond game the other night? Yes, I was lucky enough to get tickets on uh, to the game on Sunday, and I was actually in the pocket where JK kicked that goal. Memorable game. Do you go yeah, off? Are you, are you Are you uh, do you, do you get excited as a fan? Uh not not really. To be honest, I was I was pretty casual about it, but yeah, it was a bloody good game to watch. And either, either way, the Eagles were really really accurate in front of the goal, and and good to see them get a win. But yeah. Richmond played outstanding football as well, so it was a great game to be at. Yeah, I wouldn't be writing off Richmond by any stretch of the imagination. You know, their their best yeah, was exciting. Right. Their their use of handball through the middle, and they just seem to. It doesn't seem to look like there's a plan, but they seem to know where everyone is going and where they're running. It's uh, it's quite quite yeah, good to watch. Uh, just want to ask you about two boys who are in the in your lineup, and I'm, and they're pretty obvious names. The Matera boys, Brandon and Bailey. Bailey's been there a bit. Brandon's come across to to join in there and had an injury interrupted start to it. Uh, that's a nice touch of class to be included in your lineup. How's he fitted in around the footy club, not just on the field, but around the club in general? Yeah, it's, it's been really good. We've we've got quite a young forward line at the moment. So bringing Brandon in has just added that touch of experience. And he's obviously had a numerous amount of games at Gold Coast and Frio. So bringing him in when we've got a lot of young small forwards has really helped them. And he helps them in terms of understanding off-field what needs to be done and, and just sort of game plan things. But just that experience he can bring for them um, and settle that forward line down when, when things might be going a bit differently. So... Adding him has been fantastic and it's been really good for Bailey um, 
he's been, like you say, he's been with us now for a few years. But bringing Brando in, I know it was a big thing for them that they wanted to play together. Um, so once Brandon's been out on the field, he's been able to make sure Bailey's staying involved and, and really getting engaged in games. So it's been good for the club as a whole. Last one for you. We're chatting with Greg Clark from the Subiaco Football Club, who are uh, playing the Waffle Eagles on the weekend. Uh, and if you can't get to the game, let's hope you can. Uh, but if you can't get to the game, you can certainly see it on the Eagles live stream. Looking forward to, to calling that one. Uh, just in regards to a young man called Lewis Putt. I've seen him play a few games. He's obviously out of the Scarborough Ammos as well. I knew his old man, Ian, uh, who is a bit of sort of an ungainly tall, slow-moving Ruckman. I think this kid's got some upside, and I'd be very surprised if his development doesn't continue the way it's going, that he'd be looked at at a high level. Yeah, yeah, massive upside to Lewis. He's, um, I only realised around round one after doing a full pre-season how young he was. I'm pretty sure he's still 20 years old. Yeah, and correct. He's got, a lot, he's got a lot of development in him. He's so raw still, and, and like you say, he hasn't been playing footy for that long, and he was just down at Scarborough Ammos, and we have a lot of ex-players down there who, who told him to make sure he gets down to Subi and we've been in dire need of just a pure Ruckman. So it's been unreal having him um, just such a fresh face and, and fresh to the system and he's willing to learn and, and he's constantly trying to improve himself. So like you say, there's there's so much upside to a player like him who's still got so much size to put on, so much experience to come his way and, and being so young is exciting. So we've we've definitely enjoyed having him down there and it's allowed for someone like Della Hunty who's mm. had to shoulder a lot of the work in the ruck for so many years who isn't probably your traditional ruckman it gives him a bit of a chop out and sort of gives us a different look in there so yeah it's really exciting to have him in and I'm sure like you say if he keeps going at the trajectory he is there's probably potential to go to another level no doubt. Uh, I, I was remiss of me not to ask you a question a little bit earlier, so I'll ask you this anyway. You played in the state game, albeit it wasn't a great result, um, but it was a it was an interesting build-up for the WA team against South Australia with the coaching changes and player availability and the like. A question I've asked everyone who was on that trip uh, that has joined us on Sporting Goss here on SENWA, if there was one bloke that you didn't know anything about that you got to know in the state a couple of days that you trained and then played over there in South Australia and you went from a bloke that you sort of have knew nothing to a bloke that you thought, gee, he's not a bad bloke, who would that be? Oh, that's a terrific question. That's a really good one. Um, oh, I didn't know much about Tyrone Thorne, the small forward from Peel. He's a midfielder for Peel, but he played small forward in the state side. He's a real quiet character, but gee, he can play. And um, I, was, I was getting to know him a little bit, and he's, he's loves his country music, and he's, he's a really funny guy. So it was good to get to know those kinds of guys. Um, and I was sort of thinking about it the other day. We've always had such a rivalry as a club with West Perth, but the guys they've been able to produce, and even Jeff, the coach, they're really ripping, ripping fellas, and they run such a good program, and they're really supportive of um, exposing their sort of younger players to things like the state footy. And you look at a guy like Connor West, who's now managed to get himself on the Eagles list. Um, it's, yeah... It, it was a really good experience for me to meet the guys from other clubs and just understand what they're like off-field and, and just get a gauge of what they do to prepare themselves for games. So, yeah, for me, it was Tyrone. He was, he's a funny character, but, yeah, a lot, across the board, there was a lot of, lot of good sort of guys to get to know. Great response. Great response. Appreciate that. Very, very much great insight there. But as a Subiaco man that hasn't liked West Perth since 1973, and I'll tell you the story one day, um, <laughs> don't like West Perth too much, Clarkie. If you went there, you'd be dead to me. 
Never, mate. Never. <laughs> We're in gold. That's <laughs> Good man. Appreciate your time. Good luck against the Waffle Eagles. Going to be a beauty. Look forward to seeing it. And uh, play well. Continue the great season that Subi's having. And uh, there's a long way to go, but uh, you're sort of heading in the right direction. Thanks for joining us on Sporting Goss. Cheers, guys. Have a good, good one, mate. He's a good man. Greg Clark. He's a talented young man. And uh, don't be surprised if we don't see him at the next level as well. Gets through this season. I'm sure there'll be a few knocking on the door. The best part about him, not just his football, but he's a quality young man. We'll take a break. Come back. Plenty more to come. Sporting Goss with Tim Gossage. Welcome back to Sporting Goss. A part of our show, of course, is a bit of Gostradamus action where we try and find a winner or three. And today we're turning our attention to Belmont Park just across the way here on a Wednesday, of course, from Optus Stadium where our SEN studios are. Drove past there coming in this morning. Things look in great nick after a bit of rain around, but it is our winter track. And one man who is in pretty good form is Brad Parnham, who enjoyed a bit of a sleep in this morning, of course. But he's got four rides today. He joins us on the show. Just judging by your four rides, what sort of day are you anticipating? Yeah, well, they've all actually got um, pretty good chances today. So hopefully we can at least get one here. But, um, yeah, they're all in good form. So fingers crossed we'll get one at least. Don't want to heap any pressure on you, but every time we've had a jockey or a trainer on, they've uh, ridden one, sometimes two, and probably trained three as well. So, look, don't want to to put you under enormous pressure, Bradley, but... uh, Let's see how we go. Mm, yeah. He can't do any more than ride them. You're on Crypto Queen in the first race for Brian Kersley. And he's got only got a small team, but they, they seem to have uh, got a bit of form. You you won on this horse when it won its maiden at Pinjarra over 1,000. And, and it's also gone to town and run a nice race. I think runner-up behind goes through walks. Yeah, that's right. Um, I've also I've always had a pretty good relationship with Brian Kersley and then I've ridden most of his horses and we seem to have a pretty good rapport and, you know, we've had a lot of success and this horse in particular, one it's maiden very well and um, went to town after that and looked a winner at some stage and just got run down late. But, uh, yeah, I think we go into this race with pretty good form and, and probably a little bit of improvement as well. Um, looking at this race, a horse like Pine Scale is probably definitely the, the horse to beat, but... Um, I know that this horse is in good form and I'll be on pace somewhere. And um, I'm sure at some stage I'll, I'll look like I'm in contention for winning the race and should be able to run at least in the, the top two. Alrighty, there's Crypto Queen and probably the main danger is that of the Mayor of Subiaco. Of course, time scale. In race two on the program, now a horse you rode at its first race start was the horse called Short Talk for Stephen Miller. I read with interest that you probably thought the horse wasn't suited by leading um, in that race. So obviously you'll be looking for a sit, but you've you've drawn wide in a, a field of nine. You've drawn gate eight. So to get in might be a bit of an issue. Yeah, unfortunately drawn tricky. So um, I'm just going to have to sort of see how things pan out when the gates open. But um, yeah, I do. I think I made a bit of a mistake uh, sending her to the front the other day because it was her first start and she she had blinkers on and I think she just got a little bit lost out there and and she ended up running off the track quite a bit. So um, I I'll be looking to take a sit whether whether that means I end up sort of sitting outside the leader because I might not have many other options or or if I don't begin that well I might go back. I just sort of have to. One of those things I probably can't plan too much before I go out there, but I definitely would like to to give her something to chase just to keep her mind focused on the job. Um, And if it is focused on the job, 
this horse has shown me a little bit of ability in its trials. So I um yeah, I if things work out for me in the run, I'd give her a good chance. There it is there. So uh, keep an eye on that one. That is, of course, uh, we're talking race two. So uh, number eight, uh, short talk. Keep an eye on that one. Race two, number eight, short talk. Brad Parnham with the very talented stable of Stephen Miller. In the next race, you're on a horse for Dion Luciani, Noble Knight. Now, I know you've been attached to this horse through its trial form and also its first up win at Northam. It wasn't exactly as easy as it looked. Hard to get into the barriers, raced wide, um, but got the job done. There might be some talent and some more upside there with this horse in Nobel Night. Yeah, it was it was a decent effort um, first up. So we've drawn one today. It's gonna um, it's gonna jump out, and I think it's probably gonna be sitting behind the leader today and uh, I think there's a cutaway so I should just be able to wait for that and, <clears throat> and take the cutaway and I'll, I'll, I'll probably have all the favours in one um, carrying 60 kilos is it's a little bit you know a bit of a negative I'll probably it's a bit hard sometimes in horse when they're made and they go to a class one and then they're carrying 60 straight away so um, it's probably a, a downside to it but I, I think the horse has got enough ability to Put himself in the money anyway, and um, like I say, he should have all the favours. So um, hopefully, hopefully he can win. But I think he'll, he'll sort of probably put himself in the top four anyway. Simone Altieri went up to Broome, albeit she's broken a foot or ankle and can't ride anymore, needs surgery. But that uh, opened the way for you to get on board Vital Flirt. Now, you had ridden this horse two starts ago at Pinjarra, and I thought it was actually a pretty good run. Got beaten, would have been less than a couple of lengths. And then you went to Northam and got the job done at very big odds for Kayla Farrell. And a lot of their team is up north at the moment, but this is one they've kept down in town. Um, did it show enough to think it could come to town and win? Yeah, it was, it was a decent win the other day. Um, I was sort of back in the field and then the fence, so I didn't really have any options other than to sit and wait for a run. And I think... I think the horse appreciated that, just sort of switching off early mm. and then waiting for for the gaps. And when they came, um, she had a really good turn of foot. So I'll probably be looking to do something similar today. And albeit we are up in class fifth, but um, it won well enough to suggest to me that it's it's going to be a decent chance in this sort of a race. And um, you know, only carrying fifty six kilos is not a lot of weight, so. I, I I give this horse a pretty good chance. Um, there's obviously other horses to beat, but you know if, if we can get us to another run, we should be there about. Yeah, well, as you mentioned uh, when you first came on, you sort of suggested that it could be uh, a fair day at the office today. So they're all. Uh, it might come down to luck in running with almost all of those rides. But if you were to to separate one from the pack, uh, would you do that for our listeners? Yeah, I would say. I think short talk has got a lot of upside and like I say, it's going to need luck in the running, getting in and things like that. But I think it's got better than average ability. So it's only a maiden race. I think that's my best chance. All righty. Short talk for our guest, Brad Parnham. Uh, Brad, you've only got the two rides at uh, Northam tomorrow. You're on even magic and quarter charge. If they both go around, um, are you looking ahead to that meeting with any confidence? Um, not a great deal of confidence, to be honest. <laughs> I, well, 
I mean, even Magic's probably been a touch disappointing. Um, early on, early on, sort of in his career, we thought that um, it was probably going to be all right, and it's trials this time in, and they've only been okay, not terrible, but only okay. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get overly excited about it and just go around and see what we can do. Uh, hopefully, hopefully it can surprise me and, and get a win, but we'll see. And, and the other horse I'm riding, to be honest, I don't really know much about it. I just sort of picked it up first time. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll go around and see what we can do. All right. And then just to Saturday, I'm not going to go through everything Saturday. It's still final riders to be decided. But the, the feature race is the listed Belmont Guineas. And you're on a horse that I've, I dare not know how to pronounce, but I think it's uh, Alba Katuri. I'm not too exactly how oh, sure. Yeah. Is that how it is? Albert Curry, I think. Yeah. I don't know. It's don't a know. Strange that, one, isn't it's got four it? legs anyway. It's got four legs and a big heart, yeah. and it looks like it's got a bit of ability for the Gan Jemmys. Uh, what's your What's your hopes here? A horse that you have ridden, of course. This is a former Victorian mm. galloper who's had a couple of moments here. I think it was has been placed in town um, at Ascot back then, but it's two runs at Belmont. It's been down the track. Yeah. Um, first up, we were sort of pretty excited with the horse, and then second, so. We're happy with the way he's going. And uh, his last two have just been below par. So we sort of left scratching our heads last start. We expected him to go good. So since then, we've changed a few, few things around track work with him and we've put the winters on to this start. He he was going to run today, but we've scratched him to go to the guineas because he's a three-year-old and it's probably his last chance to have, have a run in a race like this. So we'll... Um, yeah, like I say, we changed a few things around and I'm not expecting him to run a better race. And I'm not saying he, he'd probably win or anything, but um, if he doesn't improve on his last two runs, he'll, he'll be pretty disappointed. And, yeah, I don't know where we'll go from there. So Alrighty. we can improve. Yeah, well, that's the feature race yeah. there. All right, mate, good luck out there at Belmont today. I, I, I sense an air of confidence yeah. from you today. And uh, if we can rub off a bit of Gostradamus luck onto... Brad Parnham today, that means there will be a, at least one winner and that would make it a profitable afternoon for you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Bill. Good on you, mate. There's Brad Parnham. He's uh, from that great Parnham family. Outstanding rider, quality young man. And let's hope he has a winner or three there today. Got a good feeling there's one or possibly two right there. So it might be the man to follow. We'll take a break. Don't forget you can always gamble responsibly and you can check out uh, plenty of racing on SEN track as well. This is the Sporting Goss. Sporting Goss with Tim Gossage. So much interest left in the NBL finals, of course, and we've already chat with Pete Hawley in regards to the Wildcats taking on Melbourne United, but we've got NBL royalty living right here in Western Australia. In fact, he's down in Mandra, and we're talking about the Cairns Taipans playmaker, one of the best in the business, Scotty Machado, who is residing in WA for now. Scotty, appreciate your time. How long have you been in the best state in Australia? Oh, I just got here the other night, um, so it's been a, it's been two nights out here in Western Australia. Alrighty, so they've got you down in Mandra. Yes, they do. <laughs> had you heard of Mandra, and had you heard of Mandra Magic at any stage in your time playing in the NBL? Ooh, yeah, that's a tough one, uh, but no, I have not heard of them. Um, <laughs> but yes, uh, I had a I had a little buddy that came out to Kansas to visit, um, little Riley Parker, so. He uh he mentioned them, um, but it kind of didn't really hit until I realized okay this is where he plays and this is where he's from. So, um, 
yeah, nice little town over here. Yeah, very much so. So, so what's the reason that Scott Machado is staying in Australia? Is it a little bit COVID related, and 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 is that sort of where this has all come from? Yeah, um, honestly speaking, yes, it is. Um, not only it's a it's a beautiful country, but COVID is definitely having a toll on doing the quarantine and coming back into the country after going to America. So, um, so it was best that. I just stick around in Australia, um, stay fit, continue to play some basketball, um, the sport that I love, and, and just being around um, instead of having to deal with all the, the two-week quarantine and flying back and forth and only spending a month back home. Yeah, very true. Uh, we're chatting with Scotty Machado, who has signed with the Mandra Magic in the NBL 1 West season. Um you get straight into it, Scott. Do you you get you're going to get straight into it? And when do you when do you suit up for the first time for the new team? I'm not sure when I suit up, but yes, I, I have already been training. Um, I've already met the group, um, uh, a bunch of good guys, and uh, it's, it's been wonderful so far. Beautiful town, uh, been meeting beautiful people, um, and it's been nothing but a lot of love been shown. So. It's been good. Yeah, good stuff. Scotty Machado, our guest. Scotty, turn your attention just briefly as a, an analyst of what we're expecting in the grand final series. Uh, no Bryce Cotton. Uh, we now know that United are coming to town to play the first two games Friday, Sunday against the Wildcats. How do you see the, the grand final series playing out from a bloke who's been up against both of those teams all year and for the last couple of years? I think it's going to be very interesting. Um, Wildcats showed a, a wonderful fight um, coming back and winning game two and three against uh, the Hawks. Um, I was a little scared for them after that first game, and I thought it was over. But um, the amount of fight that they had, whether Bryce was playing or not, was, was unbelievable and amazing, actually. So I think they're going to put up a good fight. Um, and I think out of these first two games, they'll probably steal one, but I have United winning the, the finals. Yeah, very much so. Are you in a, 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 Are you in the Bryce Cotton best player in the competition camp? Um, I am up there. Yes, I am up there. Um, he is definitely one of the best players in this league. And they've obviously that's a huge hole, isn't it, from from their their chances, but. For, through injury leads to opportunity for others. Uh, have you? Will you go to the game, Scott? Do you have any interest in sitting in the crowd uh, as a spectator to to watch the grand final series? Yeah, yeah, I might, I might. I mean, I mean, after this radio call, hopefully the, the Wildcats fans are upset with my decision and who I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I might, I might make an, I might make an appearance to go watch the game, um, but yeah. Um, it, it'd just be nice to be a spectator in, in that wonderful uh, arena and all the people that will show up for it. Um, <laughs> it was Friday, right? It was Friday? Yeah, Friday, then Sunday. Game two, Sunday, and then it goes to Melbourne. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, so you are tipping United because uh, they, they have been the best team and no Bryce Cotton is a huge out. I'm just having a look at the 2021 NBL 1 West ladder and at the moment Mandra have split their season, currently in seventh spot. They're 5-5 five and five and... They've won. Uh, they win games and then they lose a couple back to back. So um, consistency might be the issue. What does Scott Machado bring to the Mandra Magic midway through the year? Um, yeah, just some of that uh, consistency, leadership, um, some of my basketball wisdom, and and just uh, helping the guys out. They got two big wins over the weekend, and um, if they could just stay consistent, and um, I can help them out, um, I think we'll be just fine. Um, I think that's that's what I'll bring, um, some leadership and, and whatever holes I can fill in, I, I'll do that. 
Hey, Scotty, good on you, mate. Welcome to the best state in uh, the country. And, of course, uh, I know Cairns is a, a wonderful spot as well. Uh, I'm assuming you have you signed to play on with Cairns Taipans? Have you still got contract uh, keeping you there or are you looking elsewhere? What's the story there? No, yeah, I, I am signed back to go to Cairns. Um, came to the west side for, for a couple of months and, and I'll be going back up to the, the North Queensland area. <laughs> Good on you, mate. All righty. Appreciate your time. Good luck with Mandra Magic. And uh, we may see at the Wildcats over the weekend, Friday night and Sunday for games one and two against the, the Melbourne United. Thanks for joining us, Scotty. All right, now. See you here. Good chat. Scott Machado, outstanding. One of the best in the business with the Cairns Taipans. And what a great signing by the team from Mandra Magic and fantastic in NBL 1 West Division. Currently, five and five off 10 games and in seven spot. But with him arriving, the whole season could be turned on its head. We'll take a break. Come back. Talking more sport next on Sporting Goss. Sporting Goss with Tim Gossage. Sporting Goss is done and run for another Wednesday. Thanks for your company. And by popular demand, Andrea Bocelli. There he is. Have a listen to him. Underneath us, of course, he opened Euro 2020 with a stunning performance in a stunning opening ceremony. Take it out, of course, with a bit more of Andrea Bocelli. By request, we're finishing with some music. I'll be back tomorrow, 10 o'clock, with all the regulars on Sporting Goss. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91.